is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome back, fellow patriots. This is your host, Laura Marie. I have a special guest in the house today. His name is Peter Hernandez, and he is running for Congress, District 18 in California. And because California has lost population, as we all know, the congressional district lines were redrawn last year. The new CD18 districts stretches 147 miles, encompassing downtown San Jose, parts of East San Jose, like Alum Rock, and then continues down 101 corridor within Morgan Hill, Gilroy, Salinas, the Salinas Valley, King City, San Ardo, also in the district is all of San Benito County, and Watsonville in Santa Cruz County. In total, it's much of four counties, Santa Clara, Monterey, San Benito, and Santa Cruz. With the exception of the urban San Jose areas, the district is rural and agricultural. Small towns, small businesses, the demographics is majority Hispanic. Peter's opponent is Zoe Lofgren, boo, (laughs) and 14th term congresswoman from Silicon Valley area. She is one of the most progressive members of Congress and has spent her last months on the January 6th committee, conducting TV hearings towards the end goal of indicting Trump and ruining his ability to run again for president. She is part of the D.C. establishment and has long since given up any shred of common sense representing representation of the people of her district. She strictly votes as radical left as she can get. With people like Zoe in Congress, the rights of the people of America are actively being undermined, sold out, and trampled upon. Everyone in America has a vested interest in retiring Zoe Lofgren out of Congress. Peter is an amazing, American-loving, conservative Latino who loves and knows the Constitution backwards and forwards and is the best representative for the constituents and needs of Congressional District 18. Talk on the Street is... Here today with Peter Hernandez. Welcome, Peter. Okay, go. Thank you, Laura Marie. Thank you for having me. It's great that you're here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why you're running for Congress? So I'm a sitting county supervisor right now through the shutdowns and the issues that we've had with lack of representation, everything very much top down. I was actually recruited to run for this race as a Christian man. I do what normal Christian men do is we pray. And, uh, and I had the strong conviction that, that uh, actually had peace about this race. And I, I realized that it was my calling to, to, uh, to run for this district. I know that there's a lot of issues in the district. And as I actually, as normally things work, right, I don't see beyond uh, what's in front of me. But I found out, sure enough, that 
this district was made for me. You know, it's it's Congressional District 18. It basically starts in South San Jose, goes all the way now officially to mm-hmm. King City. So it stops, the, the current 19 mm-hmm. stops at Gilroy. Zoe Lofgren is the representative of the current 19. So to be clear, the race that we're running for, there is no incumbent. That by default means is everything south of Giroy doesn't know her and has no understanding of who she is, right? Obviously, she's making her cameos and, and trying to make herself known. Mm-hmm. 74-year-old lady, God bless her, but there's no way she's going to be able to outwork me. So if you look at the district, it's rural, it's ag, it's majority Latino, definitely middle class. I am Congressional District 18. I just have to work hard to get to, to, to get in front of the voters because as voters are getting to know me with all the issues of inflation and gas prices and the breakdown of our communities, especially our individual liberties, there's people that are basically hungry to know that they actually have a representative that's willing to listen to them and actually represent their voice in Washington, D.C. That's great. So you are a Republican. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about Zoe? And what she has done to your district and why you're running, Peter. So if you look at the breakdown of this district, especially now, um, all the all that she really has done is represent Washington, D.C., right? She's a Washington elite. Mm-hmm. She's she's uh, practically lives there. And when you look at the, the needs and the interest of our community, right, the progressive agenda has been antithetical to to the needs of our district, right? The people that are actually living, the, the middle class, the working class, right? Gas prices impacts the lowest income earners, uh, the most, the minorities, right? And uh, so does inflation. Everybody's bottom line is shrinking. And by default, that means any the progressive agenda under the guise of trying to do good things, right, with this new bill like the um, Inflation Reduction Act, which is supposedly trying to address uh, environmental issues when in reality there's no true metrics. Just like Ronald Reagan's always said, is if we they really had an honest agenda, wouldn't don't you think that they would keep score once in a while, right? Wouldn't they actually show us how this is not only benefiting the environment but also decreasing costs? Because if you truly are wanting to, something sustainable, shouldn't you actually be having sustainability financially, making sure these things are impactful long term, right? If you if you invest in something that's extremely expensive you're eventually going to run out of money because it's not sustainable. Right. So, so anyways, but bottom line is that you're dealing with the impacts that the, the average everyday American, especially in this district, the majority Latino district is going to be suffering because of these policies. So there's, uh, there's uh, also the intention to try to address uh, supposedly, you know, nitrates or nitrate reductions in water through the environmental policies, you know, the Farm Worker Modernization Act. Um, and then also HR 7763, which actually has to do with, with fertilizers mm-hmm. that would destroy the farming industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the modernization act actually creates now a new designation for a, a, a CAW, which is certified ag worker <clears throat> where they, uh, they basically have the, uh, uh, they have a designation that gives them some, uh, an entitlement to a certain extent mm-hmm. that, uh, like a citizen that uh, not only creates an amnesty process, but it also deal, it also creates basically a, a labor relations board policy to allow for now new grievances to be basically uh, 
had that actually creates a liability for the farm worker. Now you can actually sue the farmer for bad labor practices. So there's all these wow. elements of the, the convoluted elements that are just going to destroy the farmer, isn't really going to help the farm worker. It is requiring them for them to work 180 days. And I, I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I am opposed to anything that's under the guise of trying to preserve farming is actually going to destroy it with this element of the farm, the, you know, the, 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 taxpayer-funded attorneys, which will eventually become ambulance chasers and basically uh, shut down a farm for a supposed bad labor practices. And and here's the reality, right? The average American doesn't understand, um, unless they're in this in this world, like if they're farming or, or they, they have a business, to be in a position to potentially be sued for a practice could be assumptive. And then all of a sudden you have a potential lawsuit. Mm -hmm. So what normally happens in a lawsuit process is you have a farmer, a business owner saying, you know what, maybe we should just settle out of court. So they might be spending a lot of money through a, a legal process that in reality, they uh, had no fault in, right? Let's say there's no fault, but it doesn't matter the fact that they're actually presented with the lawsuit, they're going to settle out of court just to make th make it go away. That is going to crush everybody, right? The moment right. the moment a farmer's bottom line shrinks, everybody's prices go up because by default that means they're going to have to subsidize their costs by putting increasing your costs when it comes to the goods and the the, the food that they provide to the market. Let me guess. Zoe has voted all in favor of all this, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, she's been she's been actually the 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 leader with these policies. And again, it's how many people do the deep dive to truly understand these policies. And everything's always framed in a good intent, right? Farm worker modernization. What is the intent of the bill? If you look at the heading, it's actually to address address the labor market, right? So it creates a potential uh, feel-good moment. But in reality, you do the deep dive, you're realizing it actually is going to do more, more damage than it's going to do good. Of course. Okay, so you would be in there battling for, you would have voted no against all of this, right? Well, I would have tried to address the labor market, but do it in a way that's obviously going to benefit everybody. And mm -hmm. I do believe that it kind of creates a slow and subtle breakdown of any potential solution when it comes to immigration policy, right? Immigration policy is intent on allowing allowing uh, uh, someone to come into our country, but under the understanding that that person is basically making an agreement to be to to be willing to follow the rules, right? The rule of law, the things that create a sustainable environment. I don't know any Latino that's okay with someone coming across their border if they have bad intentions, right? And I'm not saying that that's everybody, but there are some, right? They've caught certain terrorists, right? That from other nations that through the border process, mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, there's just catch and release happening. So there's all these potential issues overwhelming the system. Mm -hmm. There has to be a measurement to say, hey, we want you to come in, but we also want to know that you're, uh, you're, you know, there's that you're going to basically be part of the 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 expectation that you're going to honor this country. You're going to preserve its interests, right? You're going to respect its sovereignty, mm -hmm. right? That that's an understanding. That doesn't just happen by saying, hey, come in and do whatever you want. That actually, I mean it. I, the way that I've explained it before, even to to um, my Latino friends, is look, I don't know about anybody who disagrees with having a fence around their home. A fence around their home is a is a border in and of itself. It's a boundary. It's a, it's a sovereign boundary that says. Inside of that fence is my house. That house is my house. Mm -hmm. I've worked very hard to preserve its interest, to protect my family, to provide for my family, right? So there's a stability and a good thing of that home. Think about what it means, the good of a nation that is benefiting a lot of people right now. 
Why would we say, let's tear down the fence, let anybody come in, if what we really want to do is provide for people and help people? And yes, we want to bring people from other nations in that, that definitely love what it means to become an American. How about we actually start to have a process that says, um, under the guise of our nation being a good nation, like my home, if I have a good home, I want to provide, I want to encourage you, right? I want to support you. But that means you're going to honor the rules of the house. When you knock on the door, you're going to come through the front door. I'm going to open the door and I'm going to say, I need to know a little bit about you because I can't just say you can stay without me knowing if you're actually going to be a friend or foe. But once you understand the rules of the house and if you're willing to respect them, then then at that point I have the choice to say, yes, I'm going to bring you in. I want to help you because I see you could, you could uh, benefit from this country. But again, it's your interest to make sure that you, you're a part of the strength of this nation because you honor it its intent and the rule of law that, that, it's, that it's trying to provide and preserve the interest of every other American that's, that's living on this side of that fence. So again, to clarify, <clears throat> I'm advocating for, for a, a legal migration process, something that honors the intent of our founders to make sure that we have a strong boundary. I do believe we need to shut down the border because ultimately that element is a whole nother issue that's been created where it's become a vacuum for drugs, crime, sex trafficking, human trafficking. If you think about it, it's endorsed slavery by this administration that allows people's lives to be destroyed. That would be the immigrant that's crossing the border. Um, so if, if, if we truly care about people in general, which I do, I care about the immigrant, um, I want to make sure that we advocate for shutting down the border and that we create a process that allows people to come in, but again, under the guise that they understand the sovereignty of our nation, the rule of law, right. basically a, a, a legal a legal migra- migration process, and ultimately something that I know Americans would be in agreement with, and that's ultimately to, to, to preserve the good of this nation and the sovereignty of this nation. Let me guess. Zoe f- voted for open borders, right? hundred. 100%. Open borders <laughs> is the progressive left mindset. They think that, you know, hey, we're all immigrants, so therefore, you know, let anybody in, you know, and it's uh, it's it's just foolish, right? At the micro level, the individual, the Latino, anybody understands that if you have a home, when someone comes to your house, you want to know who they are. You want to make sure they're not trying to hurt you. Right. It's not that hard, right? But that's the reality of the left is they want to mince words, confuse you, create oversimplified statements. They don't want to get specific. If they can give you tangible evidence of what they're really trying to do, I guarantee you, you will not, you would not vote for them, or at least the majority would not vote for them. That's right. And they create another crisis just so you can forget what the last thing they did that was unlawful. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. And if most Latinos knew, in my opinion, that they're trying to take God out of our everyday lives, they would have a problem with that too. But many Latinos are unaware. That's a that's actually a really good point, Laura Marie, because I mean when you think about what what makes the Latino culture, you know, tick, what makes mm-hmm. them basically um what is the interest, you know, I just wrote an op-ed that is going to come out pretty soon that talks about wokeism is not a value of the Latino community. Mm -hmm. We love where we came from. We believe in where we came from. We love Mexico. We preserve, we want to preserve its interests. Um, But that obviously means is what it means to be a Latino. We have to preserve the things that, that we knew growing up that are good, right? Mm -hmm. That everybody has, 
you know, uh, every culture has its own differences and, and potential issues. But I know in the Latino culture, we're proud people. We we love the fact that we can work hard. We don't like making excuses. We love our faith. We love our family. We love the ideal that as a father that I can provide for my family. And there's a sense of worth there because I know that as I sacrifice for my family, mm-hmm. they realize that I love them and that's why I'm sacrificing for them. And then our individuality, that by default is the preservation of work, the dignity that comes with it, right? When you give someone something and it came at no cost then and you're not telling them to work for it you might as well tell them you have no value for their dignity you don't care about their dignity Mm -hmm. you want to create a basically a system that becomes a dependency like there's nothing better for i mean think about what you see amongst the latino community i mean we're out there even cutting fruit and selling it on the street like we're not asking anybody to just give us things right that's right it's within the american progressive culture that's found itself trying to create this and this basically is dependent class of Latinos where they just want to give you something for nothing and assume that really there is no strings attached. But the reality is there are strings attached. As a county supervisor, I've seen it. I mean, you, you've you seen basically processes that say, here's some money, by the way, here's what you have to do in order to make sure that you're still getting that money. It's like crumbs off the table. And in reality, it doesn't take you out of poverty, right? If there was an actual metric for getting you out of poverty, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would disagree with it, Latinos included. But the reality is, is the process is intentional to make sure that you stay at the poverty level. Yep. It doesn't try to get you out of it. Otherwise, why is it in a simple measurement for anybody who might question what I'm saying is if truly our intent is to solve a problem, why don't we have clarity? Why don't we have accountability? And why don't we have metrics to any policy? Why don't we say, hey, if we're spending more money and we're actually, the problem's getting worse, like with homelessness in California, then maybe, just maybe, the policy's not working and maybe we need to reverse course. The simple explanation to my progressive friends is, you don't want it to necessarily succeed because if it succeeds, then maybe the need for government won't be as much, right? The moment the problem starts to go away, then maybe the government needs to shrink back in its intent on trying to spend money on the problem being that big when the problem's obviously not as bad anymore, right? That's the difference right. is there is no clarity, no accountability and no metrics. And my policies are definitely going to expect success. As a small business owner, my consumers tell me what they believe in, right? They tell me if they want to buy from me by spending that money on the business or the the goods or the service that I provide. That is the best measurement, right? A business owner or the mindset of a business owner is always accountable. If they're not providing good quality, good service, they lose business. It's a simple, you know, it's, 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 yes, it's definitely much a capitalistic approach to what it means to actually have a dual exchange and the benefit that comes with it. But with, with the government mindset, it's no, let's actually keep feeding the beast and grow it, whether it succeeded or not is irrelevant. At least the notion of success is what should matter. And I don't know anybody who would agree with that. At the end of the day, it breaks down your dignity. It does. It destroys your sovereignty. And then again, the, uh, the nation suffers because financially it becomes insolvent, right? We're finding ourselves with spending beyond our means. And now we're officially putting everything on a credit card. And, yep. and now we have <laughs> massive inflation to to, right. to show for it. Yeah. And I'm sure Zoe has a lot of contri- contribution to our problems, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Zoe doesn't want to solve the problem. Again, it's, it's, it's funny because I get invited to different things from 
cocktail parties and all these really fun events where we pat ourselves in the back, even though everything's getting worse. I don't like that. I really, I, I want to know that what we're doing is actually providing a benefit. I, you know, through the last handful of years, I've definitely, God's really put me in a position to be, to frame my mind focused on the solution instead of focusing on allowing this problem to keep surfacing and, and, and making things worse. Amen. You know, so that's why when the shutdowns happened, I was the guy that spoke and fought against it. I did not support businesses being shut down. I, I ultimately challenged our public health officer. I never disagreed nice. with addressing the virus. But I definitely disagreed with the way that we did it because uh-huh. just like I questioned him, I said, "Look, granted, you 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 were given by the state authority to address this virus. It's our job as elected officials, mm-hmm. as local legislators, to address everything else. And if you're not willing to allow us to address everything else, or you want to push back, then how about we terminate your contract and figure out you what it means to address this virus by yourself?" He didn't like that. He, you know, ultimately, I said, "Look." I want to work with you, but you're not wanting to work with us. Therefore, I'm going to ask my board to terminate your contract. He didn't like it. Two hours later, he quit. So the reality is, is the public health you know, system right now has really been struggling um, because it's it's spending more money and the problems are still getting worse, mm-hmm. right? The public is pushing back because of these issues. Correct. We have to come up with a system that's actually more successful. Again, clear, accountable, and measurable. We do those things. We create, a, I think, a healthy relationship. No, I don't, you know, I think, you know, and it's funny because in government, you meet tons of people that are very well-intentioned, right? They don't want to necessarily do wrong, Uh but it doesn't matter. The system wasn't bred or created to actually create successful outcomes because there is no clarity, no accountability, and no real measurements, right? So we're spending ourselves out of existence. We have a process from the state. Again, what I've experienced as a local legislator, where the state pretty much pressures us into doing whatever it wants. And little by little, we keep giving our authority away because we don't challenge what they're doing, right? We have local elected officials that keep saying, okay, it's a state law, Peter, we just have to do it. And I'm like, that's fine. It's a state law. Obviously, I want to honor the constitutional authority of the state. But how about we actually start pushing back on these guys, bringing them to the table, making them clarify why these policies are being enacted and how they actually make sense. You know, we have right now care courts that are coming down to every county. Care courts is under the assumption they're trying to address homelessness. The reality is, is they really don't, in my mind, want to solve homelessness because it's them requiring the local municipalities to implement without zero funding. Wow. So if they really wanted to solve the problem, why would you tell someone who's already stretched to do more right. with less, right? That's not a problem-solving mindset. That's like a public PR stunt where you're telling the public, hey, we're doing a good job. Look at what we're doing. We're implementing care courts. I wouldn't disagree with care courts, but how about we actually fund these things? And if you can't afford it, then maybe you need to cut back in other areas so that you can fund care courts and we can actually solve these problems. Again, government loves to grow. It doesn't like to shrink back. That's right. Thank you so much, Peter. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, We're going to be talking more with Peter Hernandez, and we have a special announcement that you're not going to want to miss. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. I made sure that they would be everything you'd ever want in a sheet set. I started with the world's finest cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all meet. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. 
They come with extra wide pillowcases to fit over any pillow and extra deep pockets to fit over any mattress. Not only that, they come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. I personally guarantee that they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials for the buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All you got to do, Renegade Nation, is enter the promo code RENEGADE or call 1-800-889-6817 for these great specials. That's 1-800-889-6817. Use the promo code RENEGADE. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome back, fellow patriots. In the house today, we have, or in the studio today, we have Peter Hernandez running for congressional seat 18? District 18. District 18. So, Peter, we talked in the first segment about the Inflation Reduction Act. Can you elaborate on that a little bit for me? You brought up one key factor on that. Yeah, I mentioned the environmental uh, as one element of the intentions to address the environment. Uh, A big part of it, obviously, the title in and of itself is about addressing inflation, and it tries to address it through the IRS, uh, you know, which is one of the administrative branches that actually uh, goes out and does audits, right, to collect taxes as the normal process is. The hard part about it is it's basically a spending bill, right? So it gets down to the core issue where the goal has nothing to do with actual representation, getting the public to understand that this bill is going to create a certain outcome. It has everything to do with the agenda and what they're trying to do, and that's confuse you because under the name, it sounds like it's going to reduce inflation, but the reality is is it's going to increase inflation Mm -hmm. because it's a spending bill. I don't know anybody who says I'm going to put something on a credit card and then that's going to reduce my my expenses or it's going to reduce my yeah the, the cost of living that I that I have right you don't put things on a credit card and think you're going to actually address so at the end of the and then ultimately yeah 87,000 IRS agents they've mentioned that it has something to do with addressing uh you know basically auditing billionaires or millionaires 87,000 agents to audit you know, 800 billionaires, I think, across the nation sounds a far stretch. At the end of the day, these audits and, and granted, they're mentioning historical that they're not able to keep up with the audits. So they're actually falling behind. You know, at the end of the day, people don't need to be micromanaged more. You need to set the economy free. So the idea of reducing inflation by now micromanaging getting into the weeds with the individuals, the the middle class, the business class, and actually taking more money out of their pocket. Somehow that's going to create ingenuity, innovation, actually strengthen our economy. It's just so hypocritical. It really isn't trying to problem solve. Government has the hardest time in actually trying to pr- solve problems because it has to protect itself, right? That's the mindset that, that is the current administration. Mine is the opposite. I obviously think that I have to, that I believe in the people. It's better to set them free, give them the uh, the autonomy for them to be in, you know, to create things, to be innovative. And then at that point, your the goal would be is obviously to benefit off of their innovation at a very small percentage and. Right now, we don't have that mindset in in Congress. Wow, those are all really good points, Peter. You know, we had a special announcement, an endorsement, in fact, 
And I'd like for you to share with me, Peter, who is endorsing you? New on the Peter Hernandez team? Who was, who was it? So his name is Luis Aragin. He was the third candidate on the in the primary race. So there was three candidates, I, Zolofgren, and then Luis Aragin. He's also a registered Democrat. Wow. He, uh, uh, yeah, so he lost... We, I reached out to him. We started talking. And I really just wanted to get the understanding of, of what his sentiments were. and Because uh-huh. obviously he, he received votes and people supported him for, for, for obvious reasons. <clears throat> um, and I want to know what those reasons were. So I, we had a really good conversation, a good heart to heart. He said, Peter, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you reaching out. And I love the fact that you're interested in understanding, you know, my side of things. So let's keep talking. So we just developed that relationship. And eventually he said, you know what? I really do see that you are that potential in this district to represent our, you know, the, not just the Latino population, but just the whole of the district. And, uh, and, and by default, just have that mindset. Really, the biggest thing that stood out was that local mindset that says we need to start to respect local authority, have a better relationship between the feds and the state and then the locals, having a more symbiotic relationship because he's starting to understand more, as I shared with him, my relationship as, as, a, as a county supervisor. Uh, and that we don't, we have a very top-down process. He agrees. In the letter, he actually mentions that he's tired of the establishment politics. Basically, there's people that are in office forever, right? They and and most people are starting to get acclimated to understand that you have this growing element of power, mm-hmm. literally uh, surrounding one or you know these few individuals that are just ultimately going to Washington D.C. and it becomes more of a power. Uh, con- you know, a control element, and that by default is breaking up really what their representation focus should be, and that's getting back to their district, understanding the issues, and addressing those issues, right? So that mindset is broken. He agrees. He thinks we need fresh blood, new blood, and obviously someone that has a mindset that knows what it means to represent, um, you know, that close relationship. You know, I've I've shared with him my, my conviction, just like uh, Abraham Lincoln says that the best government is the one that's closest to the people, nice. and he passionately believes in that. And uh, so that's why he supported my campaign. And now he's officially, yeah, uh, he's doing what he can to help the campaign. That's fantastic. That's a great endorsement, especially you being a Republican, mm-hmm. and he's a Democrat. That's right. I love when people cross the aisle. <clears throat> yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that, Laura Marie, because uh, as I've gone out there, mm-hmm. door knocking, talking to people, getting out to the events, getting right in the public eye, right? Really being in front of the majority. Uh, that's one of the things that's really stood out to me is even for those that kind of still have that 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 uh, that affinity to be uh, devoted to their Democrat, you know, sentiments, they're still seeing this issue with, with this singular party basically controlling everything and not being willing to basically work across the aisle and have that 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 respect for, for the other side with their understanding. Bottom line is, as people are saying, is we're very divided. We're not talking anymore. We're no longer addressing issues. Uh, and they're actually also starting to see that you need that conservative element because there's things that we have huge value. I believe we are the problem solvers, so I confidently sit quietly as people talk to me. 
but they basically reference what I already know, and that's that we have strong values that I know are going to re- that ultimately are going to restore representation. Uh, it's going to re- restore rule of law, right? The separation of powers, due process, right? Uh, respect for the Bill of Rights, the autonomy of the individual, right? That's what the that's what majority of Americans believe, not just the Latino population. So <clears throat> he saw that. And he he uh, um, he referenced that, and as I've gone out there and talked to folks, they're really excited to see a guy like me that says, "I want to I want to learn from you. I want to draw from your wisdom. I do believe there's wisdom in the public. You know, I believe that they are problem solvers. They don't necessarily understand the process, but that's why it's our job to inform their discretion, to educate them, so that they can understand the process. They can know why these issues are happening, and then they could vote their conscience. Right? They can vote for the person based off of their understanding of really what the issues, not just <clears throat> what they see as far as the issues on their end, but also they understand how the process happens and they can see through things. Right. Sounds like Zoe is very much out of touch. And sounds like she's, like you said before, all about the Washington establishment and January 6th committee. And so, you know, it sounds like you're knocking on doors and hearing the needs and the wants of the people in your district, which I feel is, in my opinion, very important, of course. So is there anything when you're knocking on doors and talking to your constituents, is there anybody that any thing that's the most concern that people have that you are able to help and address them with representation yes i mean everybody has their individual issues right and they bring them up in the conversations but i think i'm a pretty good listener you know they they talk about their issues there's usually uh uh there's usually a, a basically their their principled element on what why they're struggling why they're not why they're seeing the disconnect you know in general if you think about it when it comes down to um a lot of these these uh things that create disengagement it's it's lack of trust it's lack of transparency right it's uh it's having a a, a thousand page bill and then you have the speaker of the house saying hey, you need to sign it before you can know what's in it, right? So you're insulting, again, the intelligence of the public. So there's such a big disconnect. And uh, that's what I'm hearing is, is why do we, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll mention one simple example. So why do we have these all this homeless issues, Peter? Don't we keep spending money to solve it? And I said, you're right. But the reality is, is it's solved through a process that has nothing to do with actually, again, uh, uh, clarifying being accountable and measuring what you're trying to do. So once I share that with them with them, and I actually reference kind of some of the elements that I've seen with the process, you know, care courts is one of them. We have wraparound services, you know, now they have this, um, this home key program from the state where the idea is, Hey, let's purchase a property or let's give money to the local, local municipalities to purchase a property. And they're going to house the homeless there and do wraparound services, but they don't test the process. They just say, we have an idea. They actually say, you guys are the local agencies. You guys are the implementers. So how about you guys become our laboratories so that you guys figure out the, the, the solutions that is failure, right? Prudence is uh, is a necessity in government. You have to do your homework, test the process, do it before you implement it. That's what a business does, right? You don't just have an idea and just dump a bunch of money in it. You actually test the market, understand whether it's actually something that there's a demand for, right? So I'm just using as example as a business owner, the mindset that I have. 
<clears throat> and that's what I the mindset that I have with the legislation. It's, hey, is this actually going to work? Is it, how much is it going to cost? When is it going to end? How much homelessness are we going to address? So those are the questions that the public has. That's what I reference when I basically try to address it. And at the end of the day, I think once they start to see that I'm going to actually have an accountability, a strong accountability component, they get excited because then they can see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? They're going to say, okay, after a year, there's going to be a requirement to bring bring that policy back and see how it's working. Is it actually solving the issue or not solving the issue? That's the mindset, I think, of a true public servant. I don't call, like calling myself a politician. <laughs> I'm a public servant. It's my duty to serve. And uh, and when it comes down to that mindset that I carry, the be- the job's barely going to begin, Laura Marie, when I get elected. Term limits is definitely on my on, in my scope of policies that I will be implementing or I'll be pushing to implement. We need term limits. Part of the reason why we have failure in our system of government is because we don't know how to build the bench, build the leadership, right? Train people bottom up, have that mindset of representation, bringing back that sentiment so that you're respecting the individuals in your communities, learning what it means to actually coalesce that real true stakeholder input from the locals uh, educating the state, the states educating the feds, right? Then you have a true symbiotic relationship that's going to create success, that's why I want term limits. I want to do away with the mindset of accruing power at the high level with a long distance relationship. I want to bring that power back to the locals. That sounds like a great idea. You know, another concern many people are aware of today is the school districts and the woke ideology. Do you have any information on that for our listeners? So yeah, um, when it comes to education, it's broken, right? The idea of education is intent on academic success, also uh, creating a a market that ultimately starts to bring in these these eventual adults to become successful in their careers, right? That career becomes a benefit to the public and ultimately to themselves, right? There's that marketable element of the American economy that makes us so successful because we we become innovative through that process, right? From the industries to the education system, uh, and then ultimately to to the benefit of the public. That's not happening anymore, right? Everything has gotten very much progressive left, ideological. I've shared it plenty of times. There's a lot of fluff in this educational process, right? A lot of people go to school, they get information that really has become more social issues driven, subjective in, in, in content, not as objective. And then you're not creating the outcomes that you want because you have students basically that you lose, right? You lose focus from them. They're no longer passionate, right? They, they you know, and you, the few that do become passionate, you know, go into debt because they get these loans and then all of a sudden they go to college and now you have a president that's basically forgiven loans. But the the, the wokeism in and of itself is creating a whole new dynamic that's destroying our children, right? It's, it's making them confused, right? It's no longer telling them to believe in the nation that they live in, no longer to love the nation that they live in, right? You don't teach the civics, the process itself. You create a new culture of grievance, right? That grievance culture in and of itself is getting more and more frustrated. What do they do? They start doing things that they shouldn't be doing, right? That's when, you know, you've had riots in the street. You Now you have short-tempered youth and... You, 
there's increases in violence and crime, right? And then what do we do? California law all of a sudden adopts smash and grab policies that say you can do, you can go to a local store, break as much stuff as you want. You can take $950. As long as less than that, you're going to get a misdemeanor or you'll just get a slap on the wrist. Either way, there's there's no respect for what it what it means to be a unified country anymore. Wokeism is the center court issue of it. It's a grievance culture. It's a destructive culture. And uh, yeah, my district, I don't believe, is in any way supportive of it. Can you explain to the audience why people should believe in your campaign and why they should vote for you out there in California? Because we all know California <laughs> needs someone just like you. I love that question. Laura Marie. So I referenced a lot the last two years in the shutdowns. I had strong convictions, right? Not just because I'm conservative, Republican, or even Christian. I had strong convictions when it comes down to representation. At the end of the day, the shutdowns caused, I mean, I, I call it the day, you know, ultimately April 28, 2020, the day that defined the course of my convictions. Everything came to a head at that point where I challenged the public health officer because I saw the representation that was lacking. And like I mentioned earlier, he quit. The biggest point, the biggest reason why I think that's a strong point is because obviously I knew Pushback was coming. Obviously, I knew that I was a guy that was making a decision, right? I couldn't turn back from it. And that was going to have a certain outcome and expectation. Fast forward, I did get this this uh, negative sentiment from certain folks. But in general, if you think about it, mm -hmm. I'm right now officially nominated from my Democrat majority board as the chair of the Board of Supervisors. I ran for a race in 2018 for San Mateo County Supervisor, where I was elected in a majority Democrat district as a Republican. Granted, it was nonpartisan, but my point is, is my mindset is a solutions mindset. People elected me because they saw something in me. They they saw something different in me. And it's funny because my opponent was the Democrat opponent. Same kind of situation, older lady. You know, not that I care about skin color, but obviously there was a distinction. She was a Caucasian lady. Bottom line is they saw something in me that was very different than her. And so they saw why they should vote for me, and they did. Fast forward now today, when it comes down to this race, it's the same thing all over again. We are like oil and water. I'm a problem solver. I'm a local guy. I believe in the three R's, renewing the rule of law and ultimately restoring the, the, the sanity and the sovereignty of our nation, right? When you divide our community, you have arbitrary laws, you destroy ultimately the sense of respect for what actually creates the rule of law where it's protecting the citizens. Now you actually are protecting more the criminals versus the citizens. I also believe in, in restoring parents' rights to educate their children, right? The educational system is broken. We're no longer caring about the parent. We care more about our ideology, even above their academic success or even their mental health, right? We had the shutdowns that really did a lot of damage. And then the last thing is, is reviving the middle class, which I believe is the muscle of our economy, right? We are the hardworking class. The Small Business administra Administration has declared that the, that the small business community community, the middle class, <clears throat> anything under 100 employees, they're the innovators and the engine of the economy. Why? Because they're they're mobile, they're agile, they're constantly changing to the fluctuations of the market. They know how to evolve and adapt, and they put all their risk in, right? They are the biggest risk takers in our country, and they're finding themselves basically, that's why they benefit, because as they innovate, they grow, they mature, they find themselves becoming a successful business, they by default create new opportunities for industries and improvement in our nation. So those are the things that make me passionate 
it. That's what I firmly believe in. As your representative in Congressional District 18, I'm going to be the last thing that I'm going to mention is boots on the ground in the district, making sure that I'm listening to the consumer of my policies, which is the constituent, because as they see my policies, they will be the ones to inform my discretion so that I make sure that I make those policies better and better and that they're benefiting from it. True representation, whereas my opponent lives in Washington in an ivory tower. Wow. Did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen, fellow patriots? There is actual hope in California. And we would love for you guys to visit Peter Hernandez's website. And how can they reach you, Peter? Because we would love to, if you care to donate, to get rid of (laughs) the Washington elite. We are all tired of them. We need to drain the swamp. And Peter... (laughs) You have a, you're a smart guy and it's, it's absolutely refreshing and gives us hope for out there in California. How can they reach you, Peter? Thank you, Laura Maria. My, my website is HernandezForCongress.com. Everything is connected to that page. Uh, I'm on all the social media handles, right? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, to social. Um, you can find me on all of those and yeah, on Getter also. So Look for me, just go to HernandezForCongress.com. There's actually a lot of media, videos, interviews that I've done. So you want to get to know more about me. You you want to join the campaign and donate. There's, there's an easy way to donate there. And then obviously, uh, all my future events, you know, upcoming event with the endorsements that I've gotten. State Senator Shannon Grove is one of them. Uh, pastor Rob McCoy is actually going to be there also. He's Charlie Crick's pastor. So we're going to have a big event, fundraiser, Fox Theater, Salinas. It's uh, um, next Thursday, September, I'm sorry, yeah, September 7th, uh, and it's going to be, or it's Wednesday, I apologize, but at the Fox Theater in Salinas at 5.30, dinner, wine, good time, uh, good conversations, and ultimately, I think, an encouraging night. We hope that you can support and come out. That's great. That's very powerful and gives us all a lot of hope for California. And thank you, Peter, so very much for coming and sharing with us your vision, your dream. You're the right person for the job. We need to drain the swamp. So again, fellow patriots, please go and visit HernandezForCongress.com. If anybody can pitch in $5, $10, we need to get rid of Zoe Lofgren. Thank you so much for tuning in, fellow patriots. Remember, we are the people's voice. We, the people. Go out and make it a great day. God bless you. God bless America. You're listening to Talk on the Street with Laura Marie.